Welcome to Step This Way. We hope that when you have studied and understood the six dances on the record, you will be ready to make your debut on the ballroom and disco floor. To be a good and rhythmic disco dancer, it is important to identify the parts of the body that need to dance. And this will start with the hips. First, face the wall with the weight on the right foot. Now transfer the weight to the left foot and at the same time bump the left hip to the left twice. Ready? And two to the left. Now transfer the weight to the right foot and at the same time bump the right hip to the right. Ready? And two to the right. Now we must rehearse that and we will rehearse it in the rhythm of two to the left and two to the right. Ready? And two to the left and two to the right and two to the left and two to the right. Two to the left, two to the right, two to the left and two to the right, two to the left and two to the right. Of course, you must go on rehearsing that until it happens quite naturally and quite easily to the music.
deeper you go, the more you know. Go low, dig deep, toot toot, beat beat. On the one to fun, never afraid it, you can be delighted. Shake a boom boom, tang tang, rubber tum tum, bow, bang that thing to the beat of the drum. I'm
again, this is me, Ross Punk, welcoming you to another edition of the Lifeline on Drop the Biscuit. First of all, we heard Hamilton Bohan and Let's Start the Dance. I remember this song being played by DJ Harvey one night at Glastonbury. As he was playing it, I turned round and through the crowd came a naked man on a horse. I followed that with Secret Machines doing Sad and Lonely from their first album. Now they were kind of picked up a little bit by um, the Chemical Brothers and they supported them at, uh, I think it was the Brixton Academy. But you can tell why they really liked it because of that big fat drum sound. Finally that was Julian Cope doing Sunspots from his Fried album. Every word we need 
cold shoulder Still I'm dying girl to hold you And make love
And the thing was, they wouldn't understand how she really was. He, Waldo, alone understood this. He had intuitively grasped every nook and cranny of her psyche. He'd made her smile. She needed him. He wasn't there. The idea came to him on the Thursday before the mama's parade was scheduled to appear. He just finished mowing and edging the Adelson's lawn for a dollar fifty, and I checked the mailbox to see if there was at least a word in Marshall. There was nothing but a circular from the Amalgamated Aluminum Company of America inquiring into his own needs. At least they cared enough to write. There was a New York company. You could go anywhere in the mails. Then it struck him. He didn't have enough money to go to Wisconsin in the accepted fashion, true. But why not mail himself? It was absurd to see. He would ship himself parcel post special delivery. The next day, Waldo went to the supermarket to purchase the necessary equipment. He bought masking tape, a staple gun, and a medium-sized cardboard box just right for a person of his build. He judged that with a minimum of jostling, he could ride quite comfortably. A few air holes, some water, a personal night snacks, and it would probably be as good as going tourist. By Friday afternoon, Waldo was sent. He was thoroughly packed, and the post office had agreed to pick him up at three o'clock. He'd marked the package fragile, and as he sat curled up inside, resting on a foam rubber cushioning he'd thoughtfully inhibited, he tried to picture the look of awe and happiness on Marsha's face as she opened the door, saw the package, tipped the deliverer, and then opened it to see her Waldo finally there in person. She would kiss him, and then maybe they could see a movie. If he'd only thought of this before. Suddenly, rough hands gripped his package, and he felt himself worn up. He landed with a thud in the truck and was off. Marsha Bronson had just finished setting her hair. It had been a very rough weekend. She had to remember not to drink like that. Bill had been nice about it, though. After it was over, he said he still respected her, and after all, it was certainly the way of nature. And even though, no, he didn't love her, he did feel an affection for her. And after all, they were grown adults. Oh, and Bill could teach Waldo. That seemed many years ago. Sheila Klein, her very, very best friend, walked in through the porch screen door and into the kitchen. Oh God, it's absolutely modern outside. Ah, I know what you mean. I feel all icky. Marsha tightened the belt on her cotton robe with the silk under it. Sheila ran her finger over some salt grains on the kitchen table, licked her finger and made a face. I'm supposed to be taking these salt pills, but she won't be honest. They make me feel like throwing up. Marsha started to pat herself on the chin, an exercise she'd seen on television. God, don't even talk about that. She got up from the table and went to the sink where she picked up a bottle of pink and blue vitamins. Want one? Supposed to be better than steak. And then attempted to touch her nose. I don't think I'd ever touch a daiquiri again. She gave up and sat down, this time near to the small table that supported the telephone. Maybe Bill will call, she said to Sheila's glass. Sheila nibbled on the table. After last night, I thought maybe you'd be through with him. I know what you mean. My God, he was like an octopus, hands all over the place. She gestured, raising her arms upward in defense. The thing is, after a while, you get tired of fighting with him, you know. And after all, I didn't really anything Friday and Saturday, so I kind of owed it to him. You know what I mean. She started to scratch. She was giggling with a hand over her mouth. I tell you, I felt the same way. And even after a while, she went forward and whispered, I wanted to. And 
Nash's laughing very loudly. It was at this point that Mr. Jameson of the Clarence Darrow Post Office rang the doorbell of the large sticker-covered frame house. When Marsha Bronson opened the door, he held her carried package in. He had his yellow and his green slips of paper signed and left with a 15-cent tip that Marsha had gotten out of her mother's small beige pocketbook in the den. What do you think it is, she asked. Marsha stood with her arms folded behind her back. She stared at the brown cardboard carton that sat in the middle of the room. I don't know. Inside the package, Waldo quivered with excitement as he listened to the voices. Sheila ran her fingernail over the masking tape that ran down the center of the carpet. Why don't you look at the return address and see who it's from? Waldo felt his heart beating. He could feel the vibrating footsteps. Marsha walked around the carton and read the ink-scratched label. Oh, God, it's from Waldo. That schmuck, said Sheila. Waldo trembled with expectation. Well, you might as well open it, said Sheila. They both of them tried to lift the staple flap. Ah, You must have needed it shut. They tugged on the flap again. My God, you needed power drill to get this thing open. Get a grip. They both stood still, breathing heavily. Why don't you get a scissor, said Sheila. Marsha ran into the kitchen, but all she could find was a little sewing scissor. Then she remembered that her father kept a collection of tools in the basement. She ran downstairs, and when she came back up, she had a large sheet metal cutter in her hand. This is the best I could find, she tell your friend. Here, you do it. I'm gonna die. Sank into a large fluffy couch and exhaled noisily. Sheila tried to make a slit between the masking tape and the end of the cardboard flap, but the blade was too big and there wasn't enough room. God damn this thing! Then smiling, I got an idea. Watch it. Just watch it. Touching her finger to her head. Inside the package, Walter was so transfixed with excitement that he barely breathed. His skin fell quickly from the heat, and he could feel his heart beating his throat. It would be soon. Sheila stood quite upright and walked around to the other side of the package. Then she sank down to her knees, grasped the cutter by both handles, took a deep breath, and plunged the long blade through the middle of the package, through the masking tape, through the cardboard, through the cushioning, and right through the center of Walter Jeffers' head split slightly and caused little rhythmic arcs of red to pulsate gently in the morning sun.
Sweet harmony, body. 
nearly done for this evening. I'm just going to go through this last little section that we just heard. We started off there with Brinsley Schwartz. It's basically a Nick Lowe project, one of his first projects. And a Nick Lowe pen song covered by the likes of Elvis Costello. Um, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding? What is so funny? Followed that with Simple Minds doing Capital City from their Empires and Dance album. Finally there we had Liquid Liquid doing Optimo. Now the track Optimo is what actually gave the DJs Optimo their name and it's also a Ron Hill classic from Music Box. Now if you're not familiar with Ron Hill he's just one of the most early cutting edge DJs. Look him up on look him up on Google and let me know what you think. Before I say goodnight, I'm going to leave you with something from the early Pussyfoot albums. This is Kensuke Shina and Irama Boyang doing Cool Calm. And I hope you're going to be cool, calm, drift out with this one. Good night. Thanks for listening. I'll be speaking to you again soon.